everybody. Welcome to the Macaw Podcast Universe. The podcast that exists to prove people wrong when they say sequels are never better than the originals. You know what, Jordan? I want to say that next episode. I never get to say the tagline anymore. Yeah, you always get to say the title. Oh, okay. Next episode, we'll, we're going to rectify a dynamic. that. Um, <laughs> and we are a duo. That's true, and we're a dynamic oh, duo at best. Oh, you best. sound like a robot. I know. I was switching something on the input, and we're going to leave that all in. Uh, so, we have been covering Star Wars, and we're now in the Disney-led portion of the universe, and in, you know, I don't remember what year they made the announcement, but Disney was like, hey, we're making a new Star Wars trilogy. Then a few, uh, a little bit after that. Everyone freaked out. That's so cool. They freaked out. And then they're like, oh, um, um, guys, what else can we do to keep them excited? Let's just do standalones. Oh my gosh. They're doing standalones. Well, how many are you going to do? I don't know. Like five. We're going to do five. And then... No, they didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> so, they, they were supposed to do another one, though. Yeah, so uh, the original plan I read about uh, is they were like, here's the deal, folks. The next six years, you will get a Star Wars movie every single year. And it's going to go a an episode movie, a standalone movie, episode, standalone, episode, standalone. And then they canceled the third standalone movie. And we will talk about that when we get further down the line on this series. But Star Wars, Kathleen Kennedy in, in particular, who's running Lucasfilm, uh, she's like, let's do this thing. And so I do think it's important to note that this is kind of a risk. It's a risk in the same way that, like, you know, when Marvel does a new character. Okay. Uh, where it's like, yeah, it'll probably make a billion dollars, but there's a chance it won't. Okay. You know, um, it's not the same risk as, you know, like Alex Garland making a movie like Men. Yeah. <laughs> That's a different sort of risk. Um, so, I remember this movie gets announced, and, you know, I'm apprehensive because it's like, I, I don't want this series to turn into Marvel. You know, yep. Marvel's its own thing, and now they're run by Disney, and... By this point, the the Marvel Universe is pr running pretty strong. Even by, like, 2014, you're talking they've already got two Avengers movies. Guardians of the Galaxy is out. Like, the universe is yeah, strong. Yeah, at this point in my life, I'm, like, pretty annoyed with Marvel, but yeah. love Guardians. Yeah. That's where I'm at. See our first series we ever covered. Yeah. To hear all, all that change in dynamics. And then 2015, Force Awakens comes out, and I'm just like, Okay, I am fully just ecstatic about all things Star Wars. And then they start releasing trailers for this movie, talking about it, and I'm like, this is going to rule, actually. And that December, the movie comes out, and I go and see it, and I was pretty wowed by the movie. And then I went and saw it again on my birthday, and I was pretty wowed again by it. And then... I saw it a few years ago on a rewatch, and I was like, dang, this movie's good. On the rewatch, I said to myself, I think I like it more than Force Awakens. And then we watched it last night. Wait, this movie? Yeah. Okay. And I don't think it's better than Force Awakens, but I was still like, 
dang, this movie's so good and I love this movie. And that's my experience with Rogue One. My experience is I saw it in theaters and I loved it. And then last night was my second time watching it. Yeah, that's wild. But uh, I mean, we are kind of in that phase in our life where, you know, we're not children. So we don't necessarily like watch things on repeat all the time. And it's also like I loved it, but not enough to see it again in theaters for me. Yeah. Well, I remember I saw I went and saw all of them twice in theaters, all of the Star Wars movies, which was kind of a fun tradition. Um, but you seemed lukewarm on this movie last night when we were watching it. I was kind of to be fair surprised about I it. I don't think I was really in the mood to watch it. Okay, so I'm just gonna say that. But that said, the movie is just kind of muddled to me. Muddled, muddled. There's just how? like so much happens, but so little happens is how it felt to me. Uh huh. Do you have a? Or, or well, will we just, just like, cover it as we go? As, as in the movie, so she we, we have our intro for her. Yeah. All makes sense. But then I'm trying to think like, th- then she's like kind of with the rebellion and they're like, we have to go to this guy who has a message about this thing. And by the time they even get there, it's only like 48 minutes into the movie and it feels like so much has happened. Uh-huh. And it's like, we're not even an hour into this and you haven't even met with Forrest Whitaker yet. And <laughs> and then they meet with Forrest Whitaker, and I don't know how I feel about him this time around too. Wow. Okay. And and then it's just like, yeah, they get this message, and it is like important because they don't. That's the only type of message they have in this point in history uh-huh. for the Death Star stuff. But it it all just felt like a weird slowness to it, that there wasn't just a lot of urgency. To it until we get to like the last part and it's very exciting. Wow. Interesting. But yeah, so we I'll as we go through it, maybe it'll as we go through the plot, for me it'll be like just more clear that I wasn't in the mood to watch the movie. Yeah. I I sort of feel like it may have been that. Uh but Well don't tell me how to feel. I was gonna say, like if that's <laughs> not how I mean if if it is how you feel, then that's fine. Yeah. I think I think too. I, as someone who's not crazy into Star Wars, uh-huh. I just don't really care about this story. Yeah. Um, which is funny because the first time I saw it, it was like, this, I, I never thought we'd like learn the story. This is so cool. Right. I'm not against prequels. No. Or anything. And I actually think that. Where, I mean, this is one of the best prequels ever, I would say. Yeah. And like where the rebellion is, like the state of the rebellion in this movie is very interesting. Oh, yeah. You want me to start on some actors? Yeah. Yes, please. The notes that I took? So you're jumping in first this time. I am. Okay. So we have Felicity Jones playing Jen Urso. She is also in The Theory of Everything, Like Crazy, Inferno, uh, The Last Letter from Your Lover. She She's in a ton of things of oh, the Aeronauts. I think everyone knows who Felicity Jones is at this point. I did think. It's funny because I think I've only seen her in two movies, even though she's pretty famous. But those movies you listed, I've only seen two of them. And one of them is this movie. Hmm. The other is Theory of Everything. You know what's uh, funny is I thought about this during the movie? (laughs) Uh, I think that in a movie, her and Eddie Redmayne could play brother and sister, Uh which is just funny because they've played romantic love interests. In two movies. And. What's the other one? Aeronauts. 
He's in that? I'm pretty sure he's in that. Yeah, I think you're right. He's I just gotta... remember looking at the poster yeah, of that yeah, movie yeah, yeah, yeah. and thinking, this is the most boring movie no, that's ever been made. It looks so boring. And the fact that it was direct to streaming made me think like, oh, it's not even good enough to throw in the theaters. Like, ugh. Yeah. Even though that's kind of common now, but that was, anyway. That was pre-COVID though. Yeah. By the Oh, by the way, as of this recording, Netflix, okay, it's like taking a dive. Uh, stocks aren't doing good they're kind of in a bad situation a little bit they laid off 150 employees things are not looking awesome for netflix and they're they are potentially going to start looking into releasing things theatrically whoa so it's just interesting we've kind of got they already do no but like like Oh, you know, like if you want to see this movie, the it's not going to be on Netflix until after it's theatrical oh, run, kind whoa. of a thing, potentially. But it's just crazy because there was this moment pre-pandemic where people were like, you know, are the theaters going to die? And then the pandemic's happening, and it's like, yeah, they're going to die. And with the way the box office is reacting this year, and a movie like Everything Everywhere All at Once, just like doing so well. Uh, like an original movie, not connected to Marvel, stuff like that. And and people are just going to the movies. They're just going to the movies. And for like the streamer who kind of started this whole thing to be like, crap, we might have to do theatrical. I don't think we need to worry about theatrical leaving anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully they'll figure it out. And I think they also would maybe just need to realize like if you just dump a bunch of money into actors making like their their worst like ideas that doesn't really work no nobody wants to see red notice if that went to theaters it wouldn't have made any money you know yeah so that's not saving them they need to make good movies (laughs) and they have just make more of them yeah yeah but that's that's all that's interesting yeah diego luna which is one of the best hollywood names i've heard plays yeah cassian andor um um, 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 um. Yeah, so he, I just wanted to know if Luna was his actual last name, and it's not. Um, he's also in Itu Mama Tambien, which, oh. Is that <gasps> you know Alice who also is in that movie? Alfonso? Yeah. Baron? Also and is then, in that movie is the dad from old. Yes, okay. Hubba, hubba. <laughs> um, I, that's interesting, because we've seen it. I've not seen that movie. Oh, no, I'm thinking of another director. I'm thinking of Denny. Who we've seen all of his movies. Yeah, who I've is French Canadian, movie. certainly not Mexican. <laughs> I, know, I don't know. And those are that's a Mexican movie and I Mexican know, actors. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know why I got him mixed up. Anyway, um, so yeah, he is he is also in the Book of Life, Open Range, um, and then he is in a lot. He does a lot of voice acting and a lot <laughs> of animated stuff. He's also in If Beale Street Could Talk. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So. Uh, you know, um, getting my bearings here on this movie comes out of nowhere. It's not reliant upon uh, other actors, except for a couple of examples we'll talk about that have been in the series. What do you think about Felicity Jones and Diego Luna oh, as I characters? Th- and great. Okay, yeah, I agree. I, I think that his character is really interesting um, because he's not that great. Yeah. Um. And I think that was more interesting to me this time around. Me too. I feel like I kind of took that for granted the yeah. last time because, you know, if we look at the original trilogy of Star Wars, it is very good guy, bad guy. Yeah. And that is what George Lucas wanted to do. Then the prequel movies are like, 
they they just are not well written. So it's kind of like I know you're trying to provide moral ambiguity, but it's not working. Uh huh. And then Force Awakens, you have like a stormtrooper that defects. That's super interesting. And then this movie feels like they're fully tapping into, you know, there 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 are different shades of gray. Yeah. And and some would say fifty. <laughs> <laughs> I set myself up for that. And so yeah, this movie feels like it's really cashing in on the idea of like, you know, even even one of the uh, Riz Ahmed plays the pilot who defects. Yeah. And and Mads Mikkelsen is working for the empire but he's actually a good guy so there's like all this new depth and that Felicity hasn't Jones been explored doesn't want to pick a side yeah for for a lot of the movie and not in a han solo kind of way no like what do what would either of them do for me at this point kind yeah of thing and i think that's story-wise the strongest element of the story yeah is that ambiguity of characters yeah so i think it's great uh my favorite part of the movie is k2so Yes. Played by Alan Tudyk. Um, he is also in Dodgeball. He's in Firefly, iRobot, A Knight's Tale. Um, I mean, he, he's Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah, Wreck-It Ralph. He's also in... Oh, no, that's something different. But yeah, he, he does a ton of voice acting. He's also in that show that's currently airing Resident Alien that I'm curious if it's funny or not. It's like on the sci-fi channel. Oh, yeah. But I don't think anyone has the sci-fi channel anymore, so I like don't know if it's a good show or not. Actually, I think on YouTube TV we would have it. So we yeah. could probably record it and watch it, it, it if it's we just wanted. Just a, it's like, that's a good premise for a show. What is the premise again? Um, a crash-landed alien takes on the identity of a small-town Colorado act- doctor and slowly begins to wrestle with the moral dilemma of his secret mission on Earth. So the, yeah. I've, From what I've seen, it's like just Alan Tudyk. But then there's like crazy makeup sometimes. Yeah. Stuff. I, I think he but is... But it looks like... It does kind of look like your classic sitcom... Kind of like like I think it's corny. Yeah, okay. Is the impression I get. I just think he is such a treasure. Yeah, and he really brings a lot to K two S O. the The humor is awesome because it doesn't it doesn't uh, it's not C three P O E, and it's kind of its own humor and it's really understated. Mm-hmm. Um, something fun about him is so he's C G K two S O. Which even watching it oh, he looks through so today's, good. you know, this is six years later after this movie came out. And I like, I, I, it's like hard for me to tell any, I can't tell that he's CG. No, me neither. He looks amazing. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, but if you see images of him, for the most part, he would be on stilts. Okay. So he's in the scenes, they're recording his dialogue, he's interacting with the actors. But if he was in a situation like on sand where he could slip, he would wear this backpack that literally... Had the robot on it? No. Oh. It, it is like... The, he was making jokes in the behind the scenes, like it looked like we were filming like a sci-fi movie from like the 50s because it's just a kind of a stick sticking out of the backpack and just a cardboard cutout of K2SO's face. <laughs> so that the actors have something to react to? Yeah, oh, just at okay. the eye line. But it, yeah. it looks like something like a kindergarten student would like print out and like... <laughs> wow, that's funny. <laughs> so sometimes you just got to go with simple, I guess. Yeah. But that, yeah, he's funny. he's incredible. K2SO is awesome. Mm-hmm. Another like morally, it, like he is a robot that was programmed to be Imperial and then they reprogrammed him, and now he's, I, you could say, free, or now he's controlled by the rebels. 
I mean, I think he's free because he does think for himself. I yeah. mean, that's interesting but he still too. Orders, yeah, like he's programmed too. But I know what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Um. Also, it's just worth noting. So Donnie Yen, I know we've covered him. Ooh. He's in this movie. What's interesting for me is by when the first time I saw this movie, I did not know who Donnie Yen was. So yeah. I remember seeing it, and you were like, "Oh, this guy's in it. He's so good." I'm like, never even heard of him. And I think you even said like he's a like a crazy martial arts guy. Like he's super famous in the martial arts world. And it's like. Don't know. Don't really care. Because yeah. I like barely seen any martial arts. Now it's like, gimme, gimme, gimme. Yeah. He's so good. And, and then he uh, so I'm I'm piping in on okay. these little things. Uh he suggested that his character be blind. That was not that was not there. Oh. Which I think Why? I just think nobody thought to do that. And he he read the script and thought, yeah. Just felt that that was the right choice. Yeah. And it's totally I mean, I love his character is great because it's it doesn't go fully like man mystical in the mountains. Like he's still a little goofy and stuff, but he's he's also still like philosophical. What's so interesting about that character is he he is like a monk. Yeah. And he his religion is the force. Yeah. But he does not have the force. But he does. Right. He's not a Jedi is what I'm yes, getting at. Yeah. So he doesn't use it. But it is with he believes it is within him and within all, right? So it, it's like we it's like it's just the energy thing. I I just think that's so sweet. Is this the first Star Wars movies with movie with no Jedi stuff? Yeah. So that's also an interesting element. That like, well, yeah, we can get into that later. Well, but. These are all like decisions that I think that they really wanted to make it so that so that it wasn't like. You know, when you're watching Captain America Civil War, a movie that's pretty good, and you're like, oh, this isn't really a Captain America movie. It's an Avengers movie. Uh I think they really wanted to make this like, no, this isn't like secretly a movie that's about Ray or about Finn or something. This is a standalone movie. Yeah. Um, Although they are making a Disney Plus show about Cassian. Oh, Um, okay. But I'm. Is that pre or? Pre, because oh, oh, he dead. died. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, uh, did you did you catch the name of what Donnie Yen is? No, wait. Well, his name is Chirrut Imwe. Uh, but what his like job title is? He is no. a oh, he's a guardian of the crystals. Which guardian pen- of the wills, Jordan. What's the wills? Do you remember we talked about this oh! last week? Okay, so what does that mean? So. Uh, it, it, to recap what we were talking about last week, George Lucas wanted the prequel trilogy, at, or I mean the sequel trilogy at some point to be about a microbiotic world of these creatures called the Wills that are like force creatures. And so he's a guardian of the Wills, meaning that he's like a guardian of the force. I think they're simplifying his and idea. And by that, it's physically like, so, okay, so the Imperial buddies are mining this the crystal to the kyber crystals yeah for the death star but it also powers lightsabers yeah and obviously they're they're very valuable but to donnie yen's character is it valuable to him in a different way like it's holy and sacred yes yeah because it's like a temple yeah that he's guarding and uh again another cool i think it's a cool thing where you know, the lightsabers are powered by kyber crystals, and now we find out the Death Star is. I don't know, maybe an expanded universe. We already knew that information, but I didn't. And so, again, we're talking moral ambiguity. They're taking the same 
thing and it can be used for both ultimate evil and ultimate good. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. It's a good movie. <laughs> and then when Jiang plays Bay's Malbus, he's, he's a dude with so the machine cool. gun. He's awesome. He's also in Let the Bullets Fly. Devils on the doorstep. The sun also rises. Okay. Um don't know any of those. A movies. lot of Chinese oh, Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um yeah, he's he's great. Ben Mendelssohn's in this. We've covered him. Um, he's so good. Riz Ahmed, have we covered him ever? I don't believe we have. Um, so he is an Oscar winner now, but not for acting. What? Didn't he win for The Sound of Metal? I don't know if he did, but remember the last this most recent Oscars he won for best short film. Yeah. Um, I'll look up. I'm I am I thought he didn't win for Sound of Metal. I thought he did. He should have. Who won Best Actor last year then? If you've not seen Sound of Metal, just chuck the podcast out and just watch it. Because yeah, Seriously, that, that movie's so incredible. Good. No, it, it, he did not win. Who won? Uh, nah, I'll check that. He's now. also in Nightcrawler and Four Lions. Oh, so, Four Lions. So we would have seen both of those movies before Rogue One. Because Nightcrawler yeah. came out before. So that was my intro to Riz Ahmed. Yeah. And then somewhere along there, I watched Four Lions, and I but I didn't know who he was. You well, know? oh no, never mind. He's in the Audible original of the Sandman. He plays the Corinthian, the dude with the, the teeth in his eyes, isn't it? I do his not eyes remember. or mouths. Oh yeah, this was the year that Joaquin Phoenix won as um, Joker. Okay. <laughs> I think the Corinthian is the guy that his eyes are mouths, and he's hungry all the time. Oh, and the Sandman. The, oh, this. I thought you said the Crucible for nope, some reason. The Corinthian. Yeah, yeah, That's the cool. Corinthian is that guy. Who's playing um, that? I'm sorry. Riz Ahmed in the Audible. In the thing. Got you. I thought at first I thought it was the show. It's not. I heard Audible and I said. And in my head it said Crucible, and that's why I was like Jordan Blow passes. <laughs> I don't know the characters of the Crucible. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Mickelson's also in this. We know, we know. Forrest Whitaker plays Saw Guerrera. Saw. Guerrero. Da Guerrero. Um, I don't know, guys. It's Forrest Whitaker. Yeah. You he, know who that is. Um, and then Guy Henry plays well, Governor Tarkin. Okay, great. But it is CGI. It is the actor from the old movies. Yeah. Um, he is that's what You're cushing. He is in Harry Potter. So what do you I want to hear your Saw Guerrero thing? Because you you were saying like maybe the Forrest Whitaker stuff didn't work for you this time. Um, yeah, I, I just don't know how I feel about the performance. Yeah. It, it kind of almost felt just weird for being weird. Uh-huh. But I don't really know. So I, I never saw an episode that includes this, but this was a character that already existed from oh, okay. the Clone Wars. So okay. I, I don't know if the vocal performance was already like that. It feels like that's him doing something interesting to me. Um, I remember the first time I saw it, I was a little put off by his performance. But the more times I watch it, the more I'm like, I like how weird his performance is. And the weird talking like this. His voice is all tight. Yeah. And um, I think it's I cool think, that he's like half machine I just think we're getting like really complicated in this movie <laughs> that like, yes, we have good guys and we have bad guys. Star Wars is generally pretty good and bad yeah but we know we're talking about a lot of nuances but 
it, it's just then you're throwing in this extremist into it and it's just like one too many cooks for me uh-huh. that I think it's like I, I mean I don't have another suggestion yeah but it's just like maybe we just cut that whole thing out because it just felt like that took so long and they still have to do the whole Death Star thing no 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 is how I feel oh okay you're feel you you can feel that way that's fine I'll argue against it though when we when we go. Okay. Um yeah, I think I think he's cool. I dig the performance. Darth Vader's in this movie too. Um <laughs> So is he um huffing something when he breathes in that thing? I think it's oxygen. I I think it's sort of like a play on Darth Vader. Darth Vader, yeah. Okay. Well, actually Forrest Whitaker did say that in the behind the scenes, yeah. Oh, we're all so surprised. <laughs> um so here is a sweet story. Sweet story, I, I would say not quite as sweet as Warwick Davis, but I think it's very sweet. There is this man named Jonathan Knoll. And one year after Star Wars comes out, the 1977 A New Hope comes out, uh, he's wowed by the movie. And his dad has a seminar. Is there something? What are you doing? I'm trying to see if Warwick Davis was that little guy. Oh, okay. We Chief Kiyubi. So he is in the movie? I don't know if that's the character or not. Gotta be. Let's Gotta do be. a quick Google shirt. <laughs> we Fee Kiyubi. I need a picture. Oh, yeah, that's our guy. Show him. Show him. <laughs> Very demanding. Yeah. I knew it was Warwick. Okay. Um, okay, so this kid in 1977 saw Star Wars and loved it. Well, actually, I, I'm not sure what age he was, but he sees the movie, um, and his dad has a conference in California that he's going to, and he takes Jonathan Knoll and his brothers along with him. And while he's there, uh, well, before he had got there, he had read this article about all the people who worked at ILM, and it had interviews, and they were talking about Star Wars. And so when he's when he's on vacation with his dad in California, he's at the hotel room, and he he's like, "Let me look in the phone book and just see if they're listed." So he looks it up. Lo and behold, ILM is listed. So he and ILM is Industrial Light and Magic. This is who did all the special effects on okay, Star Wars. Sorry, yeah, and uh, yeah, and so then he calls them, and he's like, "I'm I do I make models." And I, I just am interested in your company. And this is how old of a person? I don't. He didn't say how old he was when this happened. Um, but I would imagine he's got to be like teens at least, okay. because if he's making models, you know. Um, and so actually, I I could see what year he was born. Um, one moment. So he was born in 1962. The movie came out in in 77. So that'd be 15. So he'd be around 16 or 17. Okay. So he's 15, 15, 16, 17. 18, 19, 20. And he calls them and they say, come on down. And so he, his dad drops him off. I feel a dream about to come true. And he. You're so annoyed with me. <laughs> no. And he spends the entire day looking at them and they're building like models and stuff Whoa. for the empire strikes back. Whoa. So he's spending this whole day there. And then eventually he also didn't mention this. He gets a job at ILM. Wow. And he's working at ILM. He works on the special edition movies 
and he works on all the prequel movies. Wow. And I believe he's worked on all the Disney movies. Now, Wow. So that's like, okay, that's really fun and cool. But then, uh, you know, Kathleen Kennedy becomes the, the uh, boss at Lucasfilm, and she says they're going to make these anthology films. And he's like, in his head, he's always kind of, that, that opening crawl of episode four is always stuck with him. And he's always kind of thought about what that could be. And he has told a couple of people about it, and they go, you got to go pitch it to Kathleen. You should pitch this movie. And he's like, I don't know, I don't know. And then he finally asks Kathleen for a meeting, and he pitches her what a, you know, a brief you know, what if we told the story of the people who got the the Death Star plans? And they're like, okay, cool. Doesn't hear back from them for weeks. And then finally he gets a call and they're like, we're going to make that movie. Wow. So Jonathan. And he wrote it? He is one of the the story by credits okay. on the movie. Yeah. And he was pretty influential on it. Obviously it wouldn't exist without him. Um so that's so freaking cool man isn't that cool yeah that's a fun that is a fun story so he he let's remind our audience uh on episode four the opening crawl is as follows it is a period of civil war rebel spaceships striking from a hidden base have won their first victory against the evil galactic empire during the battle rebel spies managed to steal secret plans to the empire's ultimate weapon the Death Star, an armored space station with enough power to destroy an entire planet. Pursued by the Emperor's sinister agents, Princess Leia races home aboard her starship, custodian of the stolen plans that can save her people and restore freedom to the galaxy. And in a rare instance, they say, let's make that that prequel movie, let's make that. Mm-hmm. And they do it, and it rules. Mm-hmm. That's just doesn't usually happen oh usually they make something like that and you sit there scratching your head like how is this possible and fit in the timeline of the universe and this one feels pretty ironclad i i never notice anything that's like actually that wouldn't make sense because of this thing yeah and it it makes it's also a rare instance where it, it kind of not that the original star wars movie needs to be elevated in any way it's a great movie it's a 10 out of 10 movie. We love it. But it does kind of make you, at the end, you're like, Mads Mikkelsen's plan worked. They were able to destroy the Death Star because he created that tunnel and all of that stuff. And that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Um, So let's talk about who else made the movie. We got Gareth Edwards, who has directed only three movies, uh, one of which is a movie he made called Monsters. Which is really good. And he did all the special effects. Yeah. Uh, would highly recommend watching that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kathleen Kennedy saw that movie and hired him for Rogue One. That was the movie she saw? She hired him? Yeah. Well, it was funny because on Wikipedia it said uh, they saw Godzilla, which she directed in 2014 and hired him. But in the behind the scenes, she mentioned monsters. Wow. So That's crazy. I'm going to go with the horse's mouth on that one. Um, but yeah, this is the last movie he's made. Um, and he was going to make another, like in the Godzilla King Kong universe, but then he just was like, I need to make a smaller movie. I'm kind of tired of making big movies. So he's coming out with a movie soon ish called true love. Don't know anything else about it. Into it. 
Yeah. Um, then the story is by John Knoll, Jonathan Knoll, who we talked about. Uh, Gary Witta, who uh, wrote Witta? <laughs> Book of Eli and co-wrote After Earth with M. Night Shyamalan. Shyamalan? I still don't actually know how to say his last name. Uh, and then the screenplay is by Chris Weitz, uh, who wrote Ants, uh, directed and wrote The Golden Compass, directed New Moon, which we've covered, and wrote Cinderella, what the, the is, new one. What? what a weird career. What's weird is, so he's been on Blank Check okay, uh, many times, actually. Uh, and he's like a friend of theirs, and he guests on the again? show. Chris Weitz. Okay. Um, Wetz. Uh, and when I hear him talk about movies, I'm like, I'm like, maybe, you know, he directed Twilight or whatever. He, like, produced American Pie. Like, he's, you know, he's got some weird stuff, but he's like, he must be a good filmmaker. And then I looked at his filmography today, and I was like, oh, I, I mean, Rogue One's really good. <laughs> um. But I don't know. I don't know. He also made that movie recently, Operation Finale, which I have not seen. Which had, I think it had Oscar Isaac, and it it was uh, something to do with like killing Nazis or something in World War II. Hmm. Um, true story. Hmm. Uh, it seemed interesting, but I did I missed it. Hmm. Uh, and then also on the screenplay is Tony Gilroy, who. Not to be confused with Tony Scott, who did Deja Vu and uh, uh, Top Gun, because I was thinking what about it was the guy that, that person. did Nightcrawler. Uh, that is Dan Gilroy. And then who did Michael Clayton? Tony Gilroy. The same who guy. Who is what we're talking about? And they're, yeah. we looked this up when we they're were. They're not related. They're not related. Right. Let me look it up <laughs> because I think because I think we're like well they have to be because they both are, make really great political thrillers. Yeah. But they might not be. I think I think they are not. But Tony Gilroy also wrote Born, the Born movies, the first three, Armageddon, Dolores Claiborne, and he wrote and directed uh, the Born Legacy, which is not super good. But yeah, they're they're related. They are. Dan Gilroy was born at Santa Monica, the son of blah blah blah. Uh, his brother Tony Gilroy is a screenwriter and director. Oh, and his fraternal twin brother John Gilroy. Is a film editor. Oh, cute. <laughs> um, and yeah, Tony Gilroy also wrote and directed Michael Clayton, which, guys, if you haven't seen Michael Clayton, that movie is... Again, throw the podcast out and watch it. <laughs> that movie's better than most movies. It's so good. That that was a... Uh, yeah, that's a terrifying movie in a legal thriller kind of way I, because it's not a horror movie. Yeah, I... I that's a movie that I've been feeling like I've been wanting to watch for the last long bit. And it's just like, I feel like I've kind of seen all the good ones. That, that like feel that, that type way. of movie? Yeah, because it's like you have that movie and I feel like the informant falls under that. And then like yeah. the game kind of made me have that same-ish feeling, even though it's pretty different. Yeah. Um, but I, w- I want a good thriller. Yeah. But, but not like not like crazy, crazy thriller. I think, I, think thriller. I would put Dark Waters uh, in that category as well. That's very Michael uh, no, Clayton adjacent. No, that's 100%. Micah, it's 100% in that <laughs> category. Okay. I just want something else like that. I have, you know what? I'll say it on this podcast. I have a song on my upcoming album, which comes out in November, uh, called Dark Waters, and it's inspired by the movie Dark Real Waters. Real original. <laughs> just it's, kidding. It's a good song. It's a good song. It is. 
the cinematography is by Greg Frazier, who did Killing Them Softly. He did a little movie that looks better than almost any other movie made called Dune. Hmm. And he also did this movie that we covered on Patreon, and you should sign up for as little as $3 to listen to our episode on The Batman. He did this year. The guy knows how to shoot a movie because Rogue One looks amazing. It does. Uh, yeah. Both. It's just such a crazy, a stark contrast from going of watching those George Lucas prequel movies, especially Attack of the Clones, which is like 1080p looks horrible. <laughs> and I mean literally 1080p. And you're just like, this looks so bad. To going to watching Force Awakens and Rogue One where you're like, this looks so good. Yeah. Um, we have some contrast, finally. I know, seriously. Uh, the music is by Michael Giacchino, who, you know, we've talked about him a thousand times. And I, I thought of a joke at the end of the movie when Darth Vader's standing out. You can play the Batman theme. Well, I was, I was like, that's the first time, but not the last time he composes the Imperial March into <laughs> one of his scores. Because Darth Vader's standing there and it goes, dun, 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 dun. And then, of course, we all know in the Batman movie, his theme is the Imperial theme. Uh, the movie comes out December 16th, 2016, a $200 million budget. It makes $532 million domestic, and it makes a little over $1 billion, with a B, dollars worldwide. Which, I think Lucasfilm thought, okay, it worked. They were cool with the whole standalone thing. <laughs> Experiment over. And then in two years, they're going to be like, I guess the standalone thing doesn't work. It's failed, even though it was a top 10 grossing movie oh, I don't, of that year. I don't think it's quite just that either, though. Oh, no, it's not. But it's... But, yeah. It is just funny, which we will talk about, that Solo is a movie that was one of the top 10 highest grossing movies of that year. And they were like, oh, we can never do something like this again. We ruined everything. Maybe it's because you paid for two movies to make one movie. And that's why. Yeah. That's that's the problem, which is really their fault. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. And it was Chris Lord and Phil Miller on that movie? They were supposed to, yeah. 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 Well, didn't they shoot, like, most of it? I, I, I hope that there's more information by the time, but by all accounts I have heard is that they basically filmed the entire movie and then they basically scrapped the entire movie and then they got ron howard to just do it all over again yeah and there's there i'm sure there's a plenty of scenes that were directed by them that are in the movie but i mean the the screen actors guild uh or i mean the the director's guild i mean they have rules for like percentages that That's have right. to be directed yeah. so the fact that the movie doesn't even have like any directing credit by them i would think that mo like ron howard did direct you know 70 percent of the movie or whatever that percentage has to be on screen we're gonna get into that in two weeks though um so i remember when this was coming out there was this big big like uproar like uh oh uh oh they're gonna be reshooting five weeks for this movie like they've done and they're doing reshoots and and this was before even I was aware that like every blockbuster movie does usually at least two weeks of uh, reshoots. And so everyone's like, this is going to be this huge nightmare. And then there's rumors of like someone else is coming in and they're directing all of the reshoots and stuff. Turns out uh, that yes, five weeks is a little long on reshoots. 
and they did change some like quite a bit of the story uh and that's when they brought in tony gilroy to like rework some of the scenes and stuff like that and he did serve as second unit director uh but then after that he did help them also edit the movie but by all accounts by people who worked there but didn't like give their names out it was not like uh lock gareth edwards in this room so that we can edit this scene it was like oh tony and gareth are editing hmm. these scenes together so it it sounds like it wasn't nearly as scary as all the clickbaity articles made it sound like and obviously the the final product uh shows that but you know also i mean i think i think there is probably an argument to be made about this movie potentially being a little disjointed mm-hmm. um i think it mostly works but there, there could be that in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, the original script did not have them all die at the end of the movie. Mm. Had them all living because Gareth Edwards was like, Disney won't let us do that. And then they presented it to Kathleen and she was like, no, yeah, they should all die. That makes sense. They're, none of them are in the movies. Yeah. After this. And they definitely would be. Yeah. So they did that. And uh, that's what I got for the movie. Heal. Should we jump into the plot? Cool. So the movie begins. And it was interesting because going into this movie, you know, every Star Wars movie starts with a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. And then the opening crawl happens. But this is a movie that is an opening crawl to another movie. And at the time, it was like, what are they going to do? Because that's what you have to do in a movie. But then right away, it's just like a sting of, of music, just like a dun and then the movie starts. And uh, I think that's great. Differentiates it from mm-hmm. the others. Um, but I, I, as much as it seems silly now, I know at the time that was like disgust. And it was kind of like, ah, how am I going to feel about mm-hmm. there not being in an opening credits? You know, all that jazz. And we lived through it. We lived through it. Uh, we're introduced to the planet where... This is something that... For me, again, not a crazy Star Wars person, don't know pretty much anything about the lore. How many planets do we visit in the first act of this movie alone? We uh, visit so many planets. What? Wait, why is that an issue? We've been complaining about how they always just go to desert planets. No, I'm not saying the locations. Uh-huh. I just mean like something happens and then cut to another planet title. We're in the planet stuff happens and then it's cut to i mean i i know i guess like it does make sense because there is so much going on uh-huh. but there are so many planets there's so many location changes yeah i i think that's very cool and i think that helps differentiate it again from the episodes yeah fine you know because the the thing that they wanted to do was they wanted to make a war film that was what they said before it came out like we strove to make a war film and I think for they accomplished that. It does feel like, you know, I'm, I mean, not nearly as good. Please don't get me wrong, folks. But, you know, like Saving Private Ryan, there's like 12 characters in that movie that all play a pretty substantial role. Or even some that are pretty minor, like Vin Diesel and stuff like that. Well, I forgot he was in that. Yeah. Um, so to me, this feels very in theme with that, where it's like a ragtag group of people, and it, it's not going to be quite as focused as, you know, Here's Han, Luke, Leia, and Obi-Wan. Okay. That's how I feel about it. But you're looking at me completely dead-faced. I don't know. 
But we get introduced to uh, Mads Mikkelsen, who, of course, is looking as cool as ever. Mm-hmm. And this is where we basically learn that he has left the Empire. Uh, like, I, it seems like he's retired. Yeah, he's, like, trying to live a peaceful existence with his wife and daughter. Yeah, and then Ben Mendelsohn shows up, and he still works for the Empire. He's got a very cool white cloak mm-hmm. outfit. And then he has these stormtroopers that are kind of this, like, all black, just sort of different design, but very, cl- like, they're similar. It feels familiar, but it's different. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, no, you got to come back, and you got to help us finish this ultimate weapon that we're working on. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, how can a man like you even know peace kind of a thing? Like, come back, let's figure this whole thing mm-hmm. out. And in doing so, there's a mix-up. Jen Erso gets, is, like, runs away, and then she comes back in time to witness the mother make a stand to try and stop the Empire troops, and she shoots Ben Mendelsohn, and then she is gunned down. And then I had forgotten that uh, Mads Mikkelsen does not die in this first scene. Because that's like a yeah, classic. Well, no, I, I remembered when he died. Yeah. But yeah. And so. Um, uh, and, Wait, and, you said Mads Mikkelsen? Yeah. Okay. And and another thing that was that I did not like connect the dots, but they talked about in the behind the scenes is how um, this this is a story where which is a little unusual for Star Wars stories where she is motivated by her relationship with her father instead of there being this, like, you know, Luke, until he finds out about his father, doesn't know that he has a father. Oh, okay. And things of that nature, and the parental relationships are bad, and this one is, like, a good one. Okay. And that's what helps motivate her to do her thing. So it makes it also a little unique amongst Star Wars. Um, And... She runs off. She'll get, she'll grow up with Saw Gerrera, and then he gets sent back to the Empire. Mm-hmm. Is that good on that pretty, scene? Pretty good setup. Um, another thing I love about the movie, they had this per, this little needle to thread, and I'm interested to hear if you agree with me on this. Uh, where it's in this time period, it's in between episode three and four. And we know that, you know, like the clone troopers are starting to look different because they'll look different by the time episode four comes out. And there's all this familiar iconography that we see. The 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 Death Star, the Imperial Cruisers, etc. TIE Fighters. But it's a new movie and they want to also provide new stuff. So they did create a bunch of like different looking stormtroopers and different looking ships and stuff. But to me, it all felt like, oh, this is just stuff that either was phased out or we did not see in episode four. Like it all felt like it was still in that world. I don't even notice it, which I think means it was good. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, And I, I don't know a lot of any of the stuff, so I don't know if any of it's exciting or not necessarily. Yeah. But it works for me. Well, and okay, so this is a, you know, you keep saying on this episode, like, I don't know any of the lore. Yeah. And you, I mean, knowing, you know me, I actually don't know pretty much any of the extended lore. Yeah. I know the movies very well. Um, and I think. And video games. Uh, I know, no, not, not really. Battlefront 2 and whatever that new one was. Yeah. I don't really remember the story of the new game. 
Oh, okay. Fallen Order. They had crystals in it. There was, yeah. And then Battlefront 2 is more like, that helped me know the locations and vehicles and stuff. It didn't help me like, oh, here's this character that exists on the sidelines or, clone, okay. you know. Uh, anyway, doesn't matter. But what I'm, what I'm, what I think is great about this movie is it, it like perfectly threads the needle of, it gives you, like it's really expanding upon something that doesn't really need to be expanded upon. But it's doing it in such a way that I'm still interested. Yeah. That makes sense? I think so. Are you tracking with me? or? I mean, I think so. Instead of... I, I mean, I, I can't think of a... Of a, I mean, I mean, maybe like a Justice League Snyder cut would be an example. It's not a very good one, but where it's like you're expanding upon stuff that I already wasn't interested in. So this isn't very interesting. And this is like, oh, I never knew that I cared about this but you made me care about yeah, it. yeah i get what you're saying yeah um so then so then we fast forward and now Jin is older yeah and she's a prisoner she's yeah. at a labor camp um do we know why no yeah no. I, I know i didn't think it was important just curious if yeah. you, it caught something um but she is at a labor camp and but then are they rebels they are Yes, so rebels break her out. Yeah. Um, so the idea, and and this is where I it gets convoluted. Yeah. And I, I think where it benefits from multiple viewings and where I think it works on the level of they're making a war movie, but maybe if you're making a straight-down-the-line action thriller, it can it's a little confusing. Actually, I don't think it's that confusing. But basically, the rebels get her because they go, you grew up with Saw Gerrera. If we get you... They also we, know who her dad is. They do know that as well. But it, what they're... At this point in time, they're using her so they can get to Saw Gerrera, which will in turn allow them to kill Saw Gerrera, who's an extremist, which is cool that there's even rebels that are maybe going too far. Uh, and then they can get to that. I, I think what I had an issue with, okay. with Saw Gerrera is I, don't act, I didn't actually see anything that he affected. Uh-huh. What did he do? He's just an extremist. Okay, he lives in a cave. They got people gambling in there. Yeah, okay. But what is he doing? Well, he he saved Jin. So Yeah, okay, yeah, that. we saw that thing at the beginning. No, I'm, not, I know. I'm not getting heated at you. Uh, no, 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 I know. I'm saying that's that's one thing. I'm I'm trying to think yeah. through it as well. Um but I, I think he's he's more just showing like another shade of those 50 shades we discussed earlier. <laughs> he's he's showing a shade of how like like a religious zealot or something like that where he is th this rebel. No, I know, but I just don't think they show anything. They're just like there's this extremist who lives on this planet who which turns out to be a cave. He doesn't even live in the, that society that uh -huh. the uh where the Jedi temple is yeah. or the not Yeah, Jedi he's temple, like removed from it. He's yeah. like in hiding because he is an extremist. But like yeah, there are people there, but it's not like anyone's like worshiping him. Not to even say that people were—they said that that was happening. It like it just seems like people weren't even like organizing to do anything. They were just kicking back, and they had some prisoners. That's how it felt. And then he had this alien that like reads your thoughts. Right, and I I think for me the alien is what is uh, showing his his extremeness. Checkmate. 
No, no, no. <laughs> well, because, you know, this pilot defects Riz Ahmed. Yeah. And he's like, hey, I have information and I need to give it to you. Yeah. And we already know that Galen or so, like, has a, a relationship with Shaw. Or we can assume that he does because... Well, he 100% does. Okay. Because the message is for him and then also for his daughter. Right. So he's like, let's take care of that. And then... But we see when Riz gets there that they just don't believe him at all. And they think he's lying. And then he's willing to use this crazy, cool tentacle octopus creature. I'm not I'm not dogging the creature. I would never accuse you of <laughs> such you. blasphemy. <laughs> uh, but that, like, ruins Riz Ahmed's mind. And he's willing to go to that distance. I just, okay, yeah. Do they have to, is the first time he sees the hologram... <laughs> When is when Jin when he plays it for Jin? Yeah. Why didn't he play it any other time? Yeah. I mean, there's because to him that someone gives him a flash drive and he looks like he's never seen a flash drive before. And well, no, I do. I think he actually says something to the effect of like, "How do I know you're not lying or playing me? I will use this creature to make sure of that because this creature can read your thoughts." Yes, and it just feels like uh huh. An adequate amount of time passed between that happening. Okay, wait, first of all, the thing about the alien, I understand what it does, but it didn't actually show me how it worked. So I actually don't sure. know if he learned anything. Sure. All I know is that he zapped Riz Ahmed's mind, and then uh, Diego Luno got his mind back by calling him a pilot. That made no sense to me. I That's a fair point. And I, then, I, I so, won't. Yeah. Like this alien reads minds and then there were machines around. Does it like plug its tentacle into the machine? <laughs> and, but, but like, and so that that happens and then it's like, how much time passed between this happening and Jen showing up who he didn't even know was showing up. He couldn't right. have watched this message in that amount of time and like show me that he was trying to do something. He just wasn't doing anything. And I, yeah. I understand yeah. that like his purpose the character's purpose uh -huh. is to serve Jin, like the Jin storyline, our main storyline. Yeah. I get that. But they're just like, everyone's so scared of him. Uh -huh. And I don't know why. Well, maybe maybe the answer... and, and Is in the Clone Wars? That's what I was going to say, which <sighs> which would be bad screenwriting, I, I would I would say. think so, yeah. I don't have these issues, but uh, I I do hear what you're saying, and I I wouldn't say that you're... Like, like, I finally realized my issue with the character. Yeah, That's yeah, no, I, I mean, yeah. I, I think that 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 does make sense. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, what one thing like with him, you know, they're telling us they're not showing us. I'll give you that. Um, another thing, I remember when this movie came out. There's a YouTuber, uh, uh, lessons from the screenplay, and he compared two scenes from Rogue One, uh, one from Rogue One and one from The Force Awakens. And it was the introduction of Jyn Erso and the introduction of Rey. Yeah. And he was comparing how, like, in the Jyn Erso scene, there's literally a rebel who's like, you're a smuggler, your father did this, you yeah. did this, you did this, you did this. And then in the Force Awakens scene, she is scavenging, scavenging for parts. She's, like, She's dreaming alone. of another world. Yeah. And he's like, I couldn't tell you all that much about Jyn Erso except for what they told us that we haven't actually witnessed. Yeah. But Daisy uh, Ray, I know like 20 things about. Yeah. So he made this whole video about it. And 
it, it's good because he's he's not necessarily saying like therefore the Rogue One is bad, like that those yeah, scenes yeah, are yeah. bad. He he was just pointing it out. Yeah, and and I have noticed there is there is that in this movie. Yeah. Uh, but again, at the same Which time, is, yeah, like that is like a war movie trope or or like a secret agent trope where it's like. You've been a, you know, like a Mission Impossible, although we already knew it because there's been five other movies. But when Angela Bassett's like, you know, talking to Alec Baldwin and she's going, he needs to go in and do this thing. That's the job. That's what he's supposed to do. You know, it's reintroducing us to that idea. Well, yeah, I. I mean, that's a better movie. I think with this movie, too, because it's a prequel and they're explaining events that we know happened. We just don't necessarily know how. I feel like that there's a lot of legwork to get there yeah and, and that's why there is a lot of exposition yeah definitely and maybe that's it just doesn't work for me personally yeah i i do i see your points though i would say thank you i would i see you jordan um yeah so yeah that actually catches us up to okay, wait, a lot of the first but, part of the movie okay but before that so we're we're introduced to cassian uh-huh. and luna on some city Cool outpost city planet thing. Yeah. Not even a planet. It was cool. Um, I guess I'm kind of in the change into the change of locations. Um, but he is getting intel from this dude in a back alley about some Death Star thing. Yeah. Um The the guy is basically like they're building this like ultimate power. That's yeah. like the information he learns. And then he kills him. Yes. Why? So Well what do you think about that? I think is the yes, question. Yes. Um I think that this never quite hit me until this viewing uh, how complicated he is as a character. And I, I love that. Because even last night, I was like, I don't remember him killing that guy. Cause like, me neither. He killed like in a, a quote-unquote innocent person, an informant yeah. who's helping him. And what's cool is in this movie, his whole character arc is he learns, like he has been doing things He's been doing rebel things the Empire way, where mm. he's like, I'm going to do things no matter what the cost for my cause. It doesn't matter who's in my way. I'm going to kill your dad if I have to. I'm going to do all this other stuff. And by the end of the movie, he's like, no, I can choose to do things the right way. I can not follow orders and help break this whole uh, uh, like assault that we run. Because, you know, that whole run, is the, the Rogue One ship is like unsanctioned. Yeah. And they all go there against the rebels' orders. And so he learns, like, no, we can... This rebellion can't be built on the same concrete that the Empire's using. Yeah. Um, I like that. I mean, that's that's amazing. That's yeah. awesome stuff. Yeah. Because, um, you know, there's also that scene where uh, Ben Mendelsohn... I think he's talking to Mads, and he says something to the effect of, like... We we have to strike fear in order to create mm-hmm. peace, mm-hmm. and Diego Luna is doing that, but on the rebels. Mm-hmm. And then Jin helps him learn that no, we can we can fight for peace and fight in a way that is morally upstanding, and and therefore we won't be an empire. Mm-hmm. She even calls him. She even says later in the movie when they have that confrontation, like your your actions are like the same as the empire. It's like the oh, same yeah. excuses. Yeah. So that I love. Yeah. I yeah, this this state of the rebels is very interesting to me. It's it it's all the stuff you just described and they're not doing well. Yeah. They're like at the the end of their rope. 
Like, they literally quit in when, this movie. I, I forgot that in the opening crawl of episode four, it says they won their first victory. So, yeah. So I had forgotten that this movie, the victory that we see, is the first victory. Yeah. Which is pretty... Ah, it's good. Yeah. If, if Man, I hope that they can do... The the and the Cassian movie or the TV show good. I mean, um, they they they're pretty good at it. Well, my only fear is that they would, because sometimes people feel the need to do this is like, oh, we have a show, and we have this protagonist, so he has to be like morally upstanding. Oh, I get that. Yeah. Um, they even kind of did that with Boba Fett. Oh, where it's okay. like, you know, he's this bounty hunter, but by the end of Book of Boba Fett, he's like a pretty good guy. Well, they should go like Breaking Bad on it. They should. They they should make him maybe kind of a bad dude with slivers of hope, you know. Yeah. Um, but they can't go they can't go full Breaking Bad. Well, of course not. No one Just can. get Vince and all the writing team. <laughs> um, okay, but we are introduced to him. He does that. Jin is taken to the rebels by the rebels to their secret base. And they, like you just said, like, you're this person, we need you to find, to lead us to Saw Gerrera. Yeah. Take us, take us to him. Do, do they know that he is, informa- like, a message from her father? They know that there is a pilot. Uh, There's that a defected, pilot, that's what it is. And they want to get that information. And the pilot had information. So they're supposed to kill Saw Gerrera, which Jin doesn't know no. about. And they're supposed to... Kill her dad. No, not in this scene. They're they're supposed to kill Sagarera. Okay, okay. And then find out I the thought, information about the pilot. I thought they were specifically talking about her dad, and I asked you that while we were watching the movie, and you said, "Yeah." That's a, a different scene when they say they're going to kill the dad, but when they're going to Sagarera, they say that they need to kill him. Does she know that? No. Okay. Whatever. Um, Maybe I am getting something confused. It, it doesn't really. Matter. I'll take some clarification, Mike, if you don't mind sending me a text. <laughs> but I I think that the the rebel guy. Tells him that. I know what you're talking about. <sighs> Let's move on. Okay. So. Is this is this another Kit Fisto thing? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Kit Fisto. Oh, yeah. I was thinking of that other time. I think it was our Guardians episode where we straight up kind of thought about something. And I can't even remember what it was. Was it Isn't Guardians 1 or 2? I feel like it was 1. So, folks, go back and listen to Guardians 1 because I guess we fought. Well, not, it was just we really disagreed about something. Yeah. But I don't know if it was. I think it was an opinion. I don't think it was a right or wrong thing other than your opinion being wrong. Yeah. Whatever it was. You know, I, I remember there was one episode wh- that, that, uh, uh, it was black Panther. Do you remember that one? No. I just remember when we ended the recording, I was just like so mad. And I was like, it just felt like I couldn't get an edge, a word in edgewise. And then you were like, that's how I felt. <laughs> that's happened a couple of times that has happened fair. a couple of times but i remember on that episode it was like and and then we were fine so if you want to listen to some drama <laughs> go to guardians one and black panther okay so they get on a freaking ship <laughs> and we meet K- or just re-listen to what's this the episode robot's name? k2so k2so that's when we meet him he's funny he's providing the humor in this his movie. design get out of here get out of town um they go to the planet that Sakurera is on. But first we go to that city where the Imperial army is mining the crystals. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it is a very nice touch when they're, they're traveling through the city and we are introduced to Donnie Yen and 
Blaze, Baze, something. That's the character's name. I can't remember. Jiang is his last name of the actor. Um, but he, uh, Cassian tells her, like, they're guardians of the wills, but yeah. they have nothing to guard anymore. Oh, And great. I love, too, that the introduction is she is, like, way across, like, way far away. And Donnie Yen is like, you! Yes, you! I'm talking to you! Like, he, he's yeah, he like, says something like, your necklace. And yeah. she has, like, a scarf on. You can't see it at all. Yeah. Um, love that. Um, but then a fight happens. It's a very volatile city. Yeah. There's just, it, it's, so, so like a, I mean, who is it? Just like some random group? It's probably the extremist group. It's Sagarera's team. How do we know that? Because, they say that? uh, I think they either say it. Yeah, they say it. Okay. That's them showing a little bit. Yeah. That yeah. helps me. Yeah. I don't know. I forgot that when I was, because I was thinking of what we see Saw himself do, not his group. Yeah. But his group captures the pilot and they start this whole insurrection in the city. Yes. And this scene is cool. The action is really good. And, and you I get some martial arts. Yes. And I, it really does have this like boots on the ground gorilla feel that I've never felt in another Star Wars movie. And and I think part of that too is there's not like a there's not no one's about to whip out a lightsaber. Yeah. It's like and so they're throwing grenades around the imperial the imperials are, or the the empire is you know like trying to occupy the city, and then at one point, Donnie Yen just does like a martial arts scene where he gets to do the whole sequence. It looks great. It's not to the full extent of say an Ip Man, but it <laughs> it fits this world. Yeah. And. Um, then they are captured by Saw's group. Okay. And, and one of them is one guy's about to throw a grenade and it would have hit, uh, uh, Jin Urso and Cassian shoots that person. And then that causes the, the, the group of Sagarera people to be like, I don't know if we can trust these people. They killed one of our guys. Oh, okay. So... Sorry about all the ambiguity, Jordan, but it's intentional. <laughs> <laughs> and then they they go to Saw. But meanwhile, we get introduced to one of the biggest surprises of the movie, uh, which is Grand Moff Tarkin shows up. Yeah. And at the time of watching this movie in theaters, yeah, uh, did not know who this character was. Crazy. Um, and I genuinely could not figure out if that person was real or not. Yeah. That's how good it looked to me. Since time has passed, I think he still looks pretty dang good. I think he looks good. There's uh, still some, there's, there's great, now some good. aging, but seriously, at the time in theaters, I it was obviously enough for me to question it while I was watching the movie. Yeah. But it was also like, no, that guy's to totally real. Wow. Yeah. I did not think that. And I, I remember being like, well, hmm. <laughs> I thought the, I didn't know the actor was dead. <laughs> I I was kind of like, just just it was like a this is a war like this this movie could go off the rails from yeah, here yeah, on yeah. out you know, but when it first showed him and it just show it just shows his reflection off of a window, I was like oh that's so smart that is so smart and then you and see then his he, full face and then he turns around and I was like why'd you do it why'd you do it 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 does make sense he's in a lot of the movie. You can't artfully do that if he's supposed to be in it that much. No, no, I'm I'm saying like I think they use him well. I think the character makes sense. 
the implications of being able to resurrect a dead actor are a bit of a red flag for me. Sure. Uh, although they did work with the Peter Cushing estate. Yeah. Uh, on that. So they, they got their clearance, but it... Is that guy in Indiana Jones? No. Oh, okay. Um, you put your hand on your hip yeah. when you said that. But it, it does have a moment of like, oh, this... This could be this thing in, in 20 years that we look back on where we're, where, you know, much like the Star Wars prequels where we're like, if only they would have waited or done this differently. Well, it's like that hilarious storyline in BoJack when yeah. they, they digitally, they, they get him his digital likeness in case he dies so that they can finish the movie. Yeah. And then he, he flees filming the movie and they just finish the movie anyway with him and he gets nominated for an Oscar. From his performance that he did not perform. Yeah. And then sometime, some years later, we get a movie that Christopher Plummer is put into because another actor was taken out. Yeah. Although, and I know that's not exactly the same thing, but it's kind of like that craziness still. Yeah. The The difference on that one, though, is they just shot new scenes. Yeah. They, he wasn't like, it's not like he digitally put him on that's Kevin true, yeah. Spacey's body or something. Yeah. Uh, they just, which I I always think, you know, I go back and forth on Ridley Scott a lot because he's made some great movies and he's also made some stinkers. But I just think it's so cool that, like, we find out all this stuff about Kevin Spacey being a total creep. And Ridley Scott's like, yeah, okay, I'm just going to sh- reshoot every scene with him in it. Before anyone pressures him to make that decision or do that thing, and before people are... He's just like, yeah, we're just reshooting all the scenes. And we got Christopher Plummer, and he's a better actor anyway, so it's great. Here's <laughs> like that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um didn't see that movie though. It didn't look good. <laughs> and uh a, a a Ridley Scott 6 uh 6 out of 10 movie on IMDb is usually a Mike uh 1 out of 10 4 out of 4.5 out of 10 for me usually. Um yeah, Tentacle Monster what so this was a knock against the movie. In this scene, they bump into the guys from the Moss Eisley Katina who tell Luke, like, get out of here. Yeah. And that's a little, like, too indulgent. I agree. And it doesn't make sense that they escape this blast that happens soon afterward. Because they blow up that Oh, I didn't even think about that. And I don't even think they thought about that. Yeah. Although, I guess if they went all the way to Sagarosh, maybe, like, a day has passed. I don't know. But that was a little, like, come on, guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... So they are taken to Sagarera's, but they are prisoners, although Jen is taken to him directly, and it's like, oh my gosh, such a reunion. And she's pretty mad at him because years ago he abandoned her in mm-hmm. a dangerous situation, and he believed, he's like, I believed you were fully equipped, all blah, 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 and she's like, I was 16 or 15 or something. 16, yeah. Um, but anyway, he plays her the, her father's message, and that's when he he says that I I like that this is paced along with the empire's testing the Death Star. Yeah. Um. So while she is watching her father's message, the empire is uh, Ben Mendelsohn. I think wants to just like straight up blow up the planet. But I think Tarkin is like, no, 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 no. We just, just need a test. With, start with a city. Yeah. So they blow up the city. She is getting this message from her dad, and he is saying. Um, to his daughter, his stardust. Uh, I 
built the Death Star, but there is a flaw within it. Find it, destroy it. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, and then she is like in shock. Yeah. But they all get away. Yeah. Except Saw <laughs> dies. Yeah, he dies. Um, because we're and, done with his character is fulfilled. Yeah. What he needs to fulfill. And uh, the blowing up of the city looks crazy. And mm-hmm. when they're trying to fly out of the debris and stuff, come on. Mm-hmm. That's some good That's some good move. And with them, they acquired uh, Donnie Yen and Baze. Something. Yeah. And, and Donnie Yen is always saying, I'm one with the Force. The Force is one with me. I'm one with the Force. Mm-hmm. The Force is one with me. That's all good. Um, and Riz Ahmed. Yes, they do. And then they test the city. Message. Da-da-da. Tarkin is taking... So they, oh, then Tarkin, after the test, um, Ben Mendelsohn's like, look at that. Look at this whole thing I did. And he's like, you're going to report this to the Emperor, right? And and Tarkin's like, I will report this to the Emperor, and I will be taking control of this battle station effective immediately, or something like that. So he's just like a head above Ben Mendelsohn? I think so, yeah. Okay. And... um. And then he's like, this is my achievement. This is what I did. I mean, Ben Mendelsohn is killing this movie. He's, he's, he's so good. He's good at throwing a fit. Oh, so good at it. I, in Ready Player One, he's really good at it, too. Oh, yeah. Um, an underrated movie. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah, so he's he's just like, this, this was my achievement. You can't take this away from me. And he's like, well... You've had like leaks and you had a defective pilot and you you don't have your house in order, basically. Mm-hmm. So then Ben Mendelssohn goes, Okay, fine. I'm gonna go talk to my friend, Darth Vader. Oh, is oh does, is that when he goes to Darth Vader's? Uh, I think that's his next move. So then he well, goes Well no, maybe they go to Mads Mickelson's planet. Um I think he might be no. No, they, I think he does Mads first. Yeah. Um So then the rebels want them to kill Galen. Yeah. As they're heading to his where he's at, um, and uh, 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 Cassian is not telling them that that's the situation. No, and what she is trying to get everyone, she she tells everyone that she watched this message from her father. She tells them what it said, and Cassian's like, "Do you have the message? Because it's just from it's just your words." Yeah, and that's not enough, and it is. I think it is good. Like her character kind of like inspires a couple of the other dudes yeah. to be like, no, I think I believe her. And, and, uh, uh, Donnie Yen can sense that there's like murder in Cassian's Cassian. heart. Yeah. But yeah. And, and it's great when he's, he's, she's like, you don't believe me. And yeah. he goes, he goes, I'm not the one you have to convince. Yeah. And then he, he goes out, he gets the sniper ready and he's going to kill him. And then she goes out. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so he doesn't end up killing Mads, yeah. even though he has a clear shot because he is just morally is just. This is confused. when he's making his switch in character. Yeah. And you can tell him the embarrassing thing I said about the ladder. It's not that embarrassing. You can but tell when they show the ladder, Mike is like, that would take a day's time to climb. <laughs> I was like, a day? <laughs> I don't think so. Do you see it? <laughs> it's not like the, the staircase in. Uh, oh. Return of the King. Staircase in Return of the King. Because she loves Lair. Oh gosh, yeah. That's a that's a day's time. Yeah, that's I think a couple days, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I said that. Um, and then the rebels also dispatch a squadron to come and bomb it. Yeah. So then at this scene, and this is where you were just like watching Gilmore mostly. I think he was 
being so cute. He was. He put his chin on the window and was just staring on the out window the window. Sill. It was so cute. It was cute. And um, the movie's just kind of clunky. Can you give me that? Uh, yeah. I just think it's all explained. Yeah, I... Yeah. Which I get it. Yeah. Because that's all the... That's a dumb. That's a dumb thing I just said too. All movies are explaining something, but I, I just I just found myself losing interest again. Though Asterix, don't think I was in the mood to watch it. Yeah, I, which I, is kind of sucks sometimes when you have a podcast. I think that I I definitely get what you're saying, and I and I agree in one sense, but uh, uh there's there is something where it's like some movies should should be different in that way you know and and talk things out but i understand that you're also like but star wars movies are good at you know just showing you stuff and like if you were watching it on mute you would understand what's happening uh except for the prequels um but i i don't know i just it all kind of because because going into it i was like am i gonna because i there was a feeling of like the movie is a little disjointed and rewatching it last night, I'm like, am I going to feel that? And I, I, it all just felt a little more like, no, this just feels kind of intentional. That, that That's just a tone that they wanted to set, to set it apart. And I, and and I, I think, think it works. And maybe it's just that there is a general feeling of like, what is going on? Yeah. But, I, but you, I think you are supposed to feel that way because the Rebel Alliance doesn't even know what's going on. That's what they're trying to figure out is what's going on. Like, they don't have a plan at all. And I think that's why this movie just kind of doesn't feel like it. Just kind of feels like that in general. And, yeah, and I think they they want to make a story that is intriguing because we know how the story ends. Yeah. So they they don't want it to just be like we need to get those plans. We're headed to get the plans. We got the plans. That's the movie. You know, they wanted to add this element of uh, spy and intrigue to it. And I I think it works. I don't but- think there's intrigue. But yeah. I- intrigue being no you one's know kissing asses huh you know like like suave like undercover like let's get this intel yeah and do this thing yeah i just i just think of intrigue as like anything spy adjacent you know yeah fine but not like james bond necessarily that's just what i think of when i hear intrigue yeah i mean intrigue certainly entails james bond of course i would never and a little bit of ethan hunt oh, a lot of ethan hunt have you seen the masks he wears yeah, well, I've seen them. Talk but, about intrigue. But I haven't seen any masks from Mission Impossible, The Dead Reckoning, Part 1. But, boy, I can't wait. By the time this episode comes out, we'll have seen that trailer like three or four months ago. Oh, we're so close to watching Top Gun. And we're going to see that trailer and hopefully the new Thor trailer with Gore the God Butcher. And by the time this episode's out, we'll have already talked about the entire Gore- Thor movie. Has <laughs> it come out by then? uh okay so uh yeah is this ben middleson kills a ton of people and then yeah some things were bombed uh mads mickelson gets hurt but they, he gets one last moment with Jin. yeah that's it and donnie yen uses a bow caster which is really cool yeah that he shoots with this other hand i guess i can't really Just watch the movie yeah <laughs> and he shoots down an x-wing with it which is pretty cool um and then it's then we have that discussion that we've kind of already gone over where uh Cassian and Jin are talking about their differences in ideology. Yeah. And he he I love though that he brings up like 
not all of us have the luxury of deciding when to care about something. Some of us have had to do this our whole lives. I've had to, you know, be on my own since I was six. I've been doing this. You know, mm-hmm. don't don't tell me how to be. Mm-hmm. I I love that scene. It, yeah, it hit good. really hard for me on this one. Yeah, I was bawling my eyes out. You were crying so hard. Um, and then we get Darth Vader's castle. Okay. On Mustafar. Looks cool. Looks cool. Yeah. I'm I'm not I. You put love on a movie. I'm generally gonna like it. <laughs> yeah, I I I didn't. I remember when I first saw it, I was like, "Whoa, this feels a little too out there." I, I don't know how I feel about the actual place that they met. That set seemed a little weird to me. It seemed very fake, I guess. Yeah, there was nothing that felt really like to the it. The most prequel esque. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because there's even a <coughs> a shot. It's almost. It's kind of a close up of Darth Vader, and he's like got his hand up, and it nothing looks real behind yeah. him because nothing is real. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I remember the first time I saw it, I was kind of like, this feels a little too out there, but it, it, it's fine. It's yeah, totally it's fine. fine. And I know that like George Lucas was trying to get the castle in, you know, the, so I, I guess I, it's important to, for, for me to, to be reminded that Darth Vader wasn't just a guy that breathed heavy and has a lightsaber. Like he, he had affected change and led people. Yeah. Because sometimes when I like just think about those movies, it's like, yeah, Darth Vader's Luke's dad. Yeah. And it's like, but if you actually like watch them, he is, he's ordering people and doing things. You know what I mean? So like for Ben Mendelsohn to report to him. Yeah. It, yeah. It makes sense. Boy, but I got to say, if I got totally scarred in a lava pit, I would stay away from, I'd go straight to Hoth <laughs> and I'd build my castle. Uh, I'd build a nice castle. a perfect castle. time to let people know about RRR because you have the fire and the water. Fire and water, yeah. Uh, Beam and Rama. I don't think yeah, that's yeah. his name. Uh, two of the best of friends, but also have to be the best of enemies. Will their friendship prevail RRR on Netflix is now? So good. Yeah. I I I I can't decide yet because everything everywhere all at once has been my number one. Uh. But I kind of think RRR might be my favorite it's movie so of the good. year. It's it's just it's just kind of everything I want in a movie in one movie. <laughs> I know it's it's good. Uh, it, and the story because it's really bombastic. So if you don't know, it's this uh, Indian movie that came out this year, and it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really really crazy. And so I'm I'm sitting there expecting it to be just you know balls to the walls, you know guys fighting tigers and picking up motorcycle and hitting people and stuff but the story is genuinely a great story Mm -hmm. the story is fantastic Mm -hmm. and how can you beat those two dance scenes come on i know man and then the movie ending with them just doing a huge dance and the director starts dancing with them and stuff come on it's so rrr rules set aside a night and watch the three-hour epic Mm -hmm. be my favorite movie of the year oh that's crazy to say but um yeah uh, in this, we find out that um, Darth Vader may have taken some classes at UCB because he says he turns to Ben Mendelsohn after choking him, and he goes, be careful not to choke on your aspirations. That's a pun. You go to UCB and you learn some puns? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I actually do like that part, though. <laughs> I like that he did a pun. I remember people like pointing that out as really stupid, and I was like, I don't know. It's it kind of fun. It is Star Wars movies, guys. <laughs> yeah. Movie guys. It's very weird to treat these 
seriously, like too seriously, you know, they're, well, that's they're like Star Wars part movies. part of the problems with the prequels, but also not. And we talked about it to death. So we have, I don't have yeah, to we don't have to more. rehash. Um, uh, Jen says that rebellions are built on hope. Mm-hmm. And, and you're sitting there as an audience member and you're like, I'm thinking of a new hope. <laughs> so everyone is around that table and they're all fighting and arguing. And yeah. it's like, there's no chance. There's nothing we can do. And she's trying to rally people up and people are like, you're a criminal and like a nobody. And yeah. it has been. Who, who cares what you have to say? And it is kind of like, that's the whole point. That's all who we are. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We're all the rejects. And all every revolution we are starts all with hope. American rejects. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and she says that all things start on hope, and she's like, "We got to attack this place. We'll get the plants, and then we'll be able to destroy the Death Star." Mm-hmm. And they're all like, "Nah." Yeah. And Jimmy Schmitz is there as Bail Organa, and he's like, "Sorry." That was a, a genuine nice surprise for me this time. <laughs> yeah, you were excited. I, I was like, "Whoa, they got that guy." Didn't care or know the first time I saw it. Yeah, and they make a reference to Obi Wan, which is kind of fun. And yeah, as well as Leia. Yeah. Um. <laughs> nice little eyebrow work there. And we do catch a glimpse of C-3PO and R2-D2. Yep. Um, who, until Solo, were, I think, the only characters that are that, were, that are in every movie. Are they not in that movie? But I don't think they're in Solo. That's the first one that they're not in. Wow. Um, so then, uh, basically, Cassian... I guess C-3PO wouldn't have been built yet. Solo takes place like in the same time as Rogue One. Wait, it, it's it's after episode three. Oh, that's Han Solo is not that old. I guess that's true, but the guy who plays him just seems so young. <laughs> yeah, and there it, there's also uh, the Empire in that movie, and there's oh, stormtroopers and stuff. Whoops! <laughs> <laughs> it's been a, you haven't seen that since theaters either. Have no, you? I think I've actually seen that movie twice. Really? I don't know why I would, but yeah. I'm pretty sure I have. I remember Darth Maul's in it, so it's definitely after. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I'm just trying to point out how stupid it was to think that. Oh my that. gosh, we got to get through this movie. <laughs> so she rallies up a couple dudes, and they all get on a ship and like, we're well, gonna go. Rah, well, rah, Cassian rah. is like, he's like, I'm ready to do this. Yeah. So he's made his decision. She's convinced him. Yeah. And he thus has convinced others. Yeah. So they go to this uh, tropical planet. Yeah. Cool set. Yeah. Um. There's and- this crazy cool shield encompassing the planet. Yeah. That has this little Um, gate like a gate to open love that love that and And they and they i guess this is where the intrigue comes in micah listen (laughs) to this they come in on a car on an imperial cargo ship piloted Uh by an imperial pilot yeah Hmm. and they are granted access and they land and then yeah some what ship it is and he's like uh 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 rogue one yeah I don't know if that's in this scene. It's not too bad. It's not too. It's not no, as bad as Solo. Before they left the rebel place, Solo is the worst example of that. But we'll get there in two weeks. But then, then it's like the 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 battle begins, right? Well, I mean, they sneak around, they get their crew around, and Jin and talk about more intrigue. Jin, Cassian, and I almost said Chewbacca because of Episode Four when they do the same thing. But uh, K2SO sneak into the tower. Nah, they don't do the same thing, but similar. And they're walking around, and they're trying to find their their the plans. So they're going to go. They're going to do that whole thing where it will eventually lead to them getting trapped in there and K2SO closing the gate 
Instead of sacrificing himself. Sacrificing He's the himself. first to die. He is, which was surprising. Yeah. I did not expect him to die. Same. And then... But uh, also, everyone dies? Yeah, but I didn't know that when I saw the movie. Yeah, I guess it's true. <laughs> so I was like, that's kind of crazy. Uh, and then they they wind up climbing. They get the plans eventually. They go up to the top. Okay, so I thought all of this was a little convoluted. Okay. And a tiny bit hard to follow. Okay. There is fighting going on, so we have action. And then it is juxtaposed with the them trying to get juxtaposed. the plans. I'm trying, I don't know if that's the correct word, but they're they're to get the plans. Yeah. And they know where it is, where they need to go, but they're figuring out how to get it, all this stuff. And then meanwhile, Cassian is like ordering Riz Ahmed to like, you have to go flip the switch, but you have to go plug in this. No, no, no. He's just telling him you gotta get a transmission out. And then you gotta. This is the confusing part. You have to get a transmission out through the gate so that people can hear what the plans are, or that we can transmit what yeah. the plans are. And then the Rizzo shield Men, is blocking all of yeah, that. Yeah, and then Rizum, it's like, I gotta take this giant fire hose and connect it <laughs> yeah. to do two different places, and then I have to get someone to flip a switch so then we can then transmit the information while they're still just trying to get the information. Yes. It's just a lot. Yeah, and and I mean on on a like if we're zooming out and we're looking at the script, the simple fact of the matter is they have to give important things for the important characters to yeah. do, and so they're just making up something that works yeah. for that. But you're saying you think it's too much and it doesn't. It, work. It's just it's just I don't know the the pacing is just a little all over the place. Yeah, I think it rules. It's great. I think the action's cool. I mean, there's a there's all this is the best part. Of big the movie. AT AT walkers. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, but slowly, one by one, people are getting killed in our crew. Yeah, I, th- I think Riz dies next. Yeah. Which I was like, whoa, that's surprising. Wasn't expecting that. And then somebody has to flip that switch. Let's and get Donnie Yen. They're pinned down, and this is one of the cool moments. I mean, you, Jordan, you have to admit. This I said this whole cool. part is the best part of the movie. Oh, okay. Um, I wasn't listening. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But uh, Donnie Yen's like, I'm one with the Force. The Force is one with me. And he just walks out into the battlefield and goes and flips the switch. And then after he's done that, he was like communing with the Force and they were missing. And then they're able to hit him. And then the other guy, his friend, rushes out killing people. Yeah. And, and he's like, always been like doubtful of the Force. He used to be a guardian. But he oh, lost that's his right. Faith. He did say that, yeah. And I, yeah, I thought this was oh, so dang, sweet that's even cooler. That like he is holding his dying friend, and he's and he tells him, "I am one with the force. The force is one with me." So it's like through his friend's act of literal blind faith, he gets dang. his faith back. Dang, pretty cool, right? That is that. I mean, that's worth the ticket alone. Yeah, that scene. Dang, that is pretty cool. And then he dies. Yeah, and then. They transmit the plans mm-hmm. after having a showdown with Ben Mendelsohn. And while this is all, but yeah, while this is all happening, the uh, Tarkin, Turkin, sure, but hang on. Oh, okay. We got to talk about this character. His name is Admiral Radis, mm-hmm. and Admiral Radis is probably, I don't know, number two of the bullet coolest star but wars the characters little dude that warwick davis davis plays is pretty cool too 
Jordan, I'm saying of Star Wars. Of all of it, Admiral. So we have Admiral Akbar's number one, and then Admiral. No, you have to give it. You have to give it to Darth Vader. Iconography alone. Oh, okay. Number two with a bullet, Admiral Radis. This guy honks. <laughs> he is the most badass of them all, and he's kind of blue instead of like the orange that uh, orange and brown that Admiral Akbar is. And he's he at one point says the line. I have an idea. Get a, whor- a hammerhead Corvette, huh? Yeah. That's and cool. then he and then the hammerhead Corvette Pushes comes a- in. It it smashes into an Imperial cruiser, and the cruiser then it, it like thrusts its power through, and it makes it fly through the shield, downing the shield. It's it actually smashes into another Imperial cruiser, and then yeah, it smashes into the shield. When I saw that in the theaters, I was like, no. This is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And we also didn't even mention that some of this in the air fighting scene has some unused footage from the old movies. Yeah, like alternate takes and stuff like that. So there's some characters that are literally in the other trilogy. That is so cool. Yeah, but it's it's, uh, what I appreciated when I was watching this movie the first time. I was kind of like, you know, in episode three, we did get a pretty intense space battle. But uh-huh. with today's modern technology, we hadn't really got something that was, like, jaw-dropping. And, you know, during the episode three battle, you're still dealing with, like, oh, Hayden Christensen, like, quippy one-liners and stuff. So it's a pretty good scene until they get in the ship. But um, but then this was, like, oh, this is, like, the full potential of what a space battle can yeah, be in so Star good. Wars. And, and when it, it all the... The rebel dudes are sh- are arriving through hyperspace. Yeah. Oh, that looks so good to me. It's so satisfying. It's so good. And and I think I could probably put Admiral Radis a little bit lower. But I just want to point out he is as cool as they get. <laughs> oh man, I love Admiral Radis. He is Radis. really cool. So good the- Admiral. Oh, great Admiral. The best. Um, he does get killed though. Yeah. As most do, except for the Corellian Corvette that escapes at the end. So okay, so four, of yeah, they get the the plans out, and then all, the, uh, Cassian and oh no, sorry, the the Death Star people are like, we're gonna, just gonna blow up the planet. That's the easiest thing for us to do. Yeah, just blow it all up. So they have no chance of survival. So they go down to the beach for their last moments of life, and they're like, we did it. Your father yeah. would be so proud. That's it. You know, it's kind of interesting. They don't give um. They don't give Ben Mendelsohn like a big death moment. They don't. And uh I kind of like that. Me too because it sometimes it's just this is a really long scene. Yeah. So it is it is nice cuz it Cause, just drags it out. Cuz he gets shot by Cassian and it's kind of like, okay. But it's also like his character is just a little guy. Yeah. No, I I think it totally works. It could be something where like they're reworking the ending and they're like we got to cut that scene or whatever. Yeah. But I, it's kind of nice because, you know, whenever you watch a blockbuster, you're like, okay, they got the bad guy down. This is the first time, so he now has to get up, and then they have to fight it, him again. It is refreshing, too, because he is, like, kind of like the our bad guy, bad guy of this movie. Yeah. But they're not they're not even attempting to make him up there with any of the other ones in yeah, this yeah, franchise. Yeah. It's just, like, he uh, he pouted a lot, he whined a lot, and then he just has a... He, he just dies and no one even knows. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. So then... You're so interested in it. Uh, 
Then we have the craziest scene of the movie. Yeah, scary scene. Uh, Darth Vader walks in to a ship, and his lightsaber slowly unsheathes itself, and the room turns red, and he just goes ham on these rebels. And they barely get the plans out. They barely, but but he is like slicing and dicing, and and it's it's pretty cool because we have you know all the movies. It's like Darth Vader's so crazy, and we're so scared of him. And because of like the time, we were not able to like realize the vision of. Mm-hmm. I mean, the design is enough. Mm-hmm. You you get it, but it was pretty satisfying to see him go down the halls wreck these guys, throw them up on the roofs, do all this craziness, go into another room. He's just ripping everybody apart. And then the 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 rebel runs down, gets in the Tantive Four, and he hands this woman with these weird buns. <laughs> Are we talking about her butt? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm talking about her hair. He hands her hands her this, you know, this disc thing. And it's a floppy disc. Yeah. And she says hope. I don't remember what the what the word is before that. <laughs> Did she say a new hope? No, no, she just says hope. Oh, okay. Because someone says like these these plans these are the plans for the Death Star. What are these or something? And she says hope. It's kind of ridiculous that we can't remember. I know. It's like it should be the most remembered part of the movie. But <laughs> I remembered yeah. her line, hope. Yeah, but <laughs> no, you know what I mean. Um, I thought I, she looked pretty good too. I think she looks a little bit bad. I thought she looked pretty good too. Um. Just dated. Yeah. Um, it's when they talk is when it's game yeah, over. Yeah. Um, and I'm then, talking about women. <laughs> <laughs> of course I'm not. <laughs> it's hot in this room. Dude, you're canceled. <laughs> um, so then the ship flies off into hyperspace and then it cuts to black. Says, and then we have to start the Edwards. franchise over again. So it's going to take a a while until the next one comes out. But I remember being in theaters. I was like, whoa, you're telling me that episode four starts immediately. Yeah, that's cool. That is so because I just in my head, it was always like, oh, that would make sense because Darth Vader would catch up to them like right away. Yeah. And she's she's putting in that message into R2D2. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. It's really cool. Yeah. And I yeah, I just remember. Because in my head, I just always imagined, you know, I guess I never really thought about what happened before, but it's like, oh, yeah, they, you know, he finally tracked him down. You know, maybe it's been months or weeks or whatever, but for it to be like, you can now press play on A New Hope and that movie is like immediately starting is crazy. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love this movie. It's good. I think it's great. It's pretty good. (laughs) <laughs> i i mean i think just on first glance i would put it above return of the jedi uh maybe Probably. but the luke stuff's just so good i know the luke movie. stuff is like that that's the that's the hard part is like I there's know, a lot of kind of boring stuff in return of the jedi yeah. but the luke stuff is so the luke stuff is like there's such perfect a big star wars for that yeah luke stuff 10 out of 10 star wars and then everything so, else is a little it's a little more yeah. like six yeah like this is fun yeah um but yeah we're doing it jordan we we're are. making it through we are are you still enjoying star wars 
Yeah, but I am nervous about the next one because I did not like it when I originally the last saw it. And Jedi. I have not. So Rogue One, the next movie, and then Rise of Skywalker, not seen them since theaters. Wow. Rise of Skywalker mostly because I just didn't care. I was over it. Yeah. Fans ruined it for me. And then also it's just too much. I had to take a break. Yeah. Also why I haven't seen any of the shows. Well, I won't tell the fans what I think of Last Jedi until next week, but I will tell you this. I started with one opinion, and I have the exact opposite opinion of the movie as a whole. There's certain things that I still feel the same way about. But, uh, yeah, so I could have started hating, and lo- now I love, or I could have started loving, and now I hate. You will see next week when we talk about it. Um so thank you for listening. This month on Patreon, we are either covering Tony Jaws The Protector 1 or The Protector 2. You tell us. I don't remember which month this is coming out in. You said um, August. Okay, so this is Protector 1. Uh, and so, yeah, check that out. I know that there's some insane martial arts in those movies. and We can't get enough. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Also, so- RR has really good action and fighting in it. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah. So it's not just guys dancing, although that's worth the admission alone. Oh, and you know what? We'll say it on this episode. When we finish the Protector series, which will be this month and next month on Patreon, we're opening up the floor. The next person who signs up for our Patreon from the moment this episode comes out, Patreon.com/slash Micah McCaw. Link in the description. You. We'll get to choose what two-part theatrical series to cover next or, Jordan said, even just a favorite movie of yours that you want us to cover. If you sign up for Patreon, the next person. We get two people, you're out of luck. I don't know. Maybe we'll figure out something. But that's what I'm going to say. So, you know, pretty tantalizing. (laughs) See you next week. Bye.